0: The story of two dental hygienists from opposite sides of the world who became friends because they realized their professional lives were so in sync.
1: One in Australia and one in America, both exuding their high passion for high level patient care, both pushing back on legacy dentistry.
0: If you are ready to revolutionize the practice of dental hygiene through science and innovation, join us as we are Disrupting Dentistry. Welcome to another episode of the Disrupting Dentistry Podcast. If you are new here, welcome. And if you are a disruptor, welcome back. I am your United States dental hygienist, Melissa.
1: And I'm your Australian dental hygienist, Tabitha. And we have a really exciting Australian guest with us tonight, We've got Dr. Bethany, a dentist from Melbourne, who's dedicated her career to improving the oral health of children. And we're going to chat to her about her unique business that she started and also some facts on children's oral health. So welcome, Bethany. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So let's start at how we normally start it. Bethany uh, graduates high school. What made you pick a career in dentistry?
2: Well, I guess it go... A few steps back from graduating high school um, in year 10 work experience when the night before our forms were due, I realized I hadn't organized anything. And if you didn't, (laughs) the school allocated something for you, which I wasn't very excited for. So I rang my uncle, who was a dentist, and asked if I could come and do work experience at his practice. And he said yes. And I went and I loved it. I had a ball um, doing work experience there. And they actually offered me a job as a dental nurse. Um, but at the time I was 16 and I couldn't drive. Um, but as soon as I got my license when I was 18, I gave them a call and they they gave me a job. So I had a, a chance to work um, in practice prior to finishing high school and going to study dentistry. So had an opportunity to work with a lot of different dentists and interact with patients and really kind of experience dentistry as, as much as I could as a as still a high school student and really enjoyed it so from there uh, did all my applications as as one does and got accepted into dentistry
1: and when did you know that you really loved working with kids along that journey of, of, of being in the dental you know it was it dentistry or was it after graduation? Really great
2: question. I have always loved working with kids and from about the age of about 16 again, I did a lot of work as a children's entertainer. So I actually started at the Royal Children's Hospital. I would go there and they have this wonderful facility in um, a lot of the children's hospitals around Australia called the Starlight Express Room, which is really just a break for long-term patients or any patients or family that are in the hospital to to go and just to detox from from everything that they're going through and they bring in a lot of visitors so um, I would come in and would sing and dance with the kids and interact with the Captain Starlight so I've always loved working with children and I think probably about halfway through my degree we didn't get a huge amount of experience working with kids in the program um, in Australia, in the dentistry program. I know that a lot of the um, oral health therapy um, students. Um... No, no, no. no. I, think I,
1: <laughs> I, I think I saw one child in my whole three-year degree. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: no. Well, I know that some of the, the, some of the,
2: the oral health therapy students that went through when I was there did get a bit of experience, yeah. um, but we didn't get a huge amount. But what I did do, I really enjoyed. And I knew that I always liked working with children. Um, and I think maybe about four months after I graduated, I was like, no, it really is the working with children. That is the part that, that I'm really passionate about. But I think it's just a little bit in my my DNA. I think it's one of these things that you either really like working with kids or you like working with people who like working with kids. Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> as a mum that's had to use the Starlight Lightroom, I thank you very much for your time there because it's literally a lifesaver in the hospital to have that escape and have somewhere to play and and get out of that little tiny room in a bed where you feel super confined. So that's thank you from that side because that has been a lifesaver to us when we've used it in the past. But, yeah, I'm not someone that likes working with kids. <laughs> I don't mind them as a one-off, but I find them emotionally exhausted. <laughs> yes. Being yes. on the up. So people that do it, I'm, like, super appreciated. So you've you've realised you like working with the kids. And how did you turn that into your career? Like what? how did you make the decisions that you've made to get to the business that you've got to now?
2: One of the most common questions I would get asked by parents in the clinic is how am I supposed to know this when Mm. I talk to them about flossing, when I would talk to them about when dental visits are supposed to start, um, assistance with brushing kids' teeth and how long that should take. And I realise it's actually a really good question. We kind of assume that we know dental knowledge, but there isn't really opportunities outside of actively going to the dentist for parents or even people in general to learn the skills for looking after their teeth. And some days I would just feel like I was trying so hard to get these messages across to parents, but it's a very overwhelming experience, especially when parents would come in and you would be diagnosing problems and you're spending time focusing on the problems. And I realized that my passion lied in the education side of things and preventing the problems from occurring in the first place. And in the clinic, while we strive to aim for prevention and aim for oral health education as much as we can, I felt that it was a really challenging way to get the message to as many people as possible. So from that, I said, well, I really like to sing and I really like working with kids why don't I try and develop a program where I can educate the children and get them excited about looking after their teeth and try and be that person that can get to the kids and provide the education to their parents before they end up in the chair in that kind of never ending circle that I felt yeah. like I was in, in in practice at the time
1: yeah I agree with you I remember when I was um working in a private practice in Sydney when I'm I i did not see many kids because I worked on Macquarie Street so you know lots of investment bankers and politicians and stuff like that but not really children but one day one of the bankers said to me I want to bring my kid to see you is that okay and I was like yeah it's fine so he comes like a month later and he goes can you tell Ethan he can't have honey at midnight and I was like "What?" Oh. <laughs> and I was like completely mortified, like trying to hold it in and keep my face. And I was like, "Um, please explain. And he goes, oh, so since he's been born, we would get up at midnight and give him a warm milk with honey, but he's six now and I'm just sick of doing it. And in my head, I'm like, we've got bigger issues here. But what that really made me realize is is that like, and I try to remind people what I'm teaching as well as obviously every dental clinician has really high oral health IQ, but a lot of people haven't been told you should even brush twice a day, let alone not have honey at midnight. And like, exactly like you said, if they can't afford to come into the dental practice, no one's giving them any information. And we're just leaving people maybe a little bit even judgy from our side with like, why are you doing that? But like, you don't know what you don't know and how are you meant to find that out? That's exactly right. And that was what I was
2: finding parents were really frustrated by they were like I don't I don't want to be in this situation but how was I supposed to avoid getting here in the first place
1: yeah I think yeah it's a shame that we haven't done more but like then it's great to see businesses like yours so do you want to tell the listeners like exactly what your business is and what you do yes absolutely so my business is Dr. Bethany's Tooth Tales I run
2: dental education programs in preschools so I'm not sure what the equivalent of that would be in America, but effectively before they start like traditional elementary primary school, yep. um, those sort of we call it the same. Oh, perfect. So that's sort of three, four-year-old <laughs> age group. It's a musical program. So we sing and we dance and we do dress ups and games, all about visiting the dentist, nutrition for healthy teeth. Um, brushing, flossing—my favorite thing. We fist pump about flossing, and it is the <laughs> highlight of my life. Um, and we talk about sort of getting wobbly teeth as well, and, and things like that, because that's something that the children, sort of at the, the four-five age group, can be can be starting to face. So I go in, and we have a lot of fun, and it's really trying to frame the dentist in that welcoming, fun, um, non-confronting um, position and get kids excited about looking after their teeth because the other question that i'd hear from parents is how do i get my child to brush their teeth Mm -hmm. um so it's about motivating the child to help make the job for the parent at home easier too
1: so you're a tooth wiggle
2: Sure. the fifth wiggle? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I would like to see you as a fifth wiggle. How much would this do for oral health if we had a tooth relegated wiggle? Oh my god. So goodness. the wiggles oh, if you you're listening. The wiggle. yeah. it's
2: the collab that yes. needs to happen. I might to email totally <laughs> educate the world on yeah. oral health.
0: I mean, even how much more would the parents know yeah. if you were actually the fifth? Yeah, it would
1: be incredible. It would be amazing. Would very
2: busy though, so I'm not sure how much time I would have to get into preschools.
1: You wouldn't um, need but, to. You'd be educating on the masses. Yeah, very true. <laughs> so, is that show even still on? Yes, they've got new Wiggles. Some of the kids, oh some God. of their kids, are Wiggles now. <laughs> are you kidding no, me <laughs> he yeah it's, it's still it's still going wow um so what do you think is the the thing parents are most shocked about finding out when like they get in like this information in the preschools
2: I think one it's the statistics which mm. I used to use in clinic almost to reassure parents when you tell them that their child you know, three or four has a cavity. And they'd be like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, I can't believe it. I'm a failure. And I'd be like, "Oh, you know, it's it's actually okay." You know, we see in in Australia the statistics are about one in three Australian children develop decay before they start school, and parents are really shocked by that. But I was using it to comfort parents, and it and it is unfortunately a really devastating statistic. Um, and I think that does surprise parents, um, but in the clinic sense, it's almost a comfort for them. So I think going to the kinders and providing them with that information, it's, it is almost kind of a little bit of a reality check. You know, one in three, if you have three kids, the chances are that, that it might be one of your kids um, that yeah. might be that that one in three. And I think the other one is how early dental visits are supposed to start. And I know that it's exactly the same in America as it is here in Australia. It's that that first visit should happen by age one or within six months of that first tooth coming through. And again, I think that's a real shock for parents. Um, I do a lot of checkups when I go to the preschools as well. And the majority of the forms that come in, have they been to the dentist before? The answer is no. And again, it's where are the parents told that that first visit is supposed to happen by age one? and and it's just not there. They go, oh, they're starting school. You know, we'll get the eyes checked and, and we'll go to the dentist too. And it just seems logical. But then where yeah. are parents
1: finding out that this is supposed to happen earlier than that? I think the other thing parents <clears throat> seem to be quite shocked about when I have seen kids in clinic is like when you see small kids, and you're like, oh, are you helping them brush? Or they gloat. Oh, they're yes. two and completely independent. Yes. And you're like, mm, no, 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 no. no.
2: <laughs> and that's where Tavis's favorite thing in the world, plug disclosing, is yeah. yes. best help. Yes.
1: Yeah. But I think most parents are quite shocked that they should be helping between eight and 10. Most people think yes. as soon as they can hold the toothbrush, like they're good to go. But again, we don't give that information about manual dexterity and the ability of the child out to anybody.
2: That's right. And I talk a lot about um, getting their pen license at school. Do you have pen licenses in America? That's when the teacher effectively says Mm. your fine motor skills are well enough developed that I give you license to use a pen instead of a pencil. We're very fancy here in Australia. (laughs) Um, So I say pen license or when they can tie their shoelaces themselves. If they have fine motor skills to be able to do that, then they probably have the dexterity to be able to brush well. But brushing is really tricky. It's not easy to do for most adults <laughs> let alone most <laughs> three four five six seven year old kids yes yeah.
0: right so like as you're saying this it just makes so much sense that dental hygienists should be part of the team at a pediatrician's practice so that at age one we could be educating parents and children together how to take care of their teeth properly and just think about the that one in three statistic for australia i know it's pretty high here i don't know what the actual number is in the u.s um how what an impact that small change could have and then that could meet the needs of clinicians that maybe have muscular skeletal issues that can't physically clinically see patients any further but you can use your education in a different manner. I also think dental hygienists should be in elementary schools running programs and screenings like this absolutely so that we can help support these children and help you know even if we did plaque disclosing with the kids once a week, and had them come through the nurse's office and just went over some basic brushing skills. And so, if their parents aren't, you know, taking it upon themselves to do that brushing for them or being a part of it, we can at least empower the the children to be able to do the best they physically could. So there's so many simple ways that we can make some huge impactful change. Americans Absolutely. are so fancy;
1: they've got nurses at their schools. We don't get that. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs>
0: Yeah, every school has a school nurse. No, no. So you guys don't even have a school nurse. No, and that's the crazy.
1: average person wouldn't go to the pediatrician in Australia either. Like, it's not. You only go to the pediatrician if something's really? wrong. Like you, like, and you've got multiple problems. Oh. Like that's. Like, <laughs> we would have oh, a wow. We would have a mother nurse that like like a what do they call it, Bethany? Maternal
2: maternal health care.
1: Oh yeah, maternal health care, and you would see you can see them until they're five, but you wouldn't go to a pediatrician. They can be at like a community center or at EGP. GP. But they would be like a special okay. nurse that just does that. But we wouldn't, like most people would never see a pediatrician. Wow. Yeah.
0: So yeah, we see pediatricians, like when you first have your baby, you're at the pediatrician's office, like constantly just for
1: wellness visits. But we do have though, a thing called Healthy Harold, where a um, <laughs> caravan pulls up and a puppet giraffe comes and speaks you. <laughs> isn't that terrible no no it's like... my favorite thing as a kid when healthy howard come because it had all like stars on the roof and it was like really cool but he mainly talks to you about drugs smoking alcohol like my son came home the other day because he's epileptic and he takes epilepsy medication and he said i take drugs and they're bad <laughs> and I like, oh I poor like, harry I <laughs> Wrong type, frog type. You're okay. You can take yours. But like how good would it be if like Healthy Harold or something incorporated oral health into it? Because like yeah. the kids love Healthy Harold coming. But, you know, if schools had something like you're doing, Bethany, and had a program that went to all schools instead, because I'm imagining it's just schools that decide, to like the preschools that decide to take it on. It's not compulsory for them to do this.
2: Yeah, it's not compulsory. It's yeah. aligned with, my program's aligned with the um, Australian curriculum, um, yeah. preschool curriculum. And, I mean, we do have, you know, dental vans that that do go to schools um, yeah. in Australia, like Smile Squad um, in Victoria. Um, but I think a lot of the programs and a lot of the funding we have is is really focused around that diagnosis. Yeah. The education side of it is is kind of tacked on and and it's an afterthought and it's an afterthought yes. because the problem is getting worse and worse and worse. So we're trying so hard to get on top of the decay problem that the the education is just that that tacked on you know here's a flyer these are the things that that you need to be doing and and that's where I'm trying to approach it from the different angle that I'm going let's get kids motivated and let's get kids excited and empowered to want to be the person that brushes their teeth to to want to have their parent involved in that journey with them because at the moment it just feels like everything's snowballing and everyone is trying so, so hard to get on top of the problem. So I'm trying to come at it from another
1: angle. Yeah. And it's a much better angle. Yeah. I think prevention is always the key. It is
0: always. Yeah. I mean, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. If we just kind of reverse engineered the way every country I'm sure is approaching this rather than, you know, Oh yeah, we must fill the teeth. We must put fillings in. We have to do this. We need to really look at it from, well, what's the the root cause here? And that's not having the education around prevention. And it's such a simple, inexpensive way to to prevent this issue. And And we know that there's so many other connections beyond oral health, right? So that's the piece of it that I think helps, you know, when we help parents, Understand that that kind of gives them more motivation because a lot of parents will think like, oh, these are baby teeth. What is, oh. what does it matter? And they're I think that's one anyway. of the
2: big switches <laughs> is that baby teeth are so important. And I see a lot on social media where in Australia and America where, where people comment and they go, you know, we rang the, the, the dentist to book out. You know, one year old in for their checkup, and then said, sorry, we don't see kids until they're three, or kids don't need checkups until they're three. Right, and it's like yeah, you right. might not see kids until they're three, but you are the person that can go actually, we don't see children, but contact the um, specialist dentist down the road or we have a yeah. hygienist that works here that, that sees children. You know, if you're that person that goes, no, nope, we don't see children until they're three or children don't need checkups until they're three, then the parent goes, oh, okay, cool. And then when they chat to a friend about it, that information gets passed on and it continues to populate this circle that the kids don't need to go to the dentist and
1: contributes to that whole notion that baby teeth don't matter when they yeah. really do and I feel like your education to these kids as well if their parents aren't giving to them it's not because they don't want to it's because they don't have it personally so therefore you're helping educate their parents and make better decisions as well like I had a patient in practice a little while ago who came in because his girlfriend had sent him because he had spontaneous bleeding of his gums and when I looked at them they were like the most bulbous and they were just bleeding everywhere, like a bloodbath. It looked like something out of some horror movie when I tried to probe. And um, I was like, "Uh." and then I said to him, like, just tell me about what you do at home. It looked like a Dexter episode. Like I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) And I was just like, tell me about like your home care. Like, what do you do? And he's like, oh, I travel for work. So I don't usually bring a toothbrush when I'm traveling um because he's FIFO so it's like every eight weeks when I come home I brush my teeth for two weeks and and he had like calculus on the full facial surfaces of his teeth like I like I was like I've never seen so much calculus on the facial surface before and so like I was talking to him about appropriate home care and I was saying you know like it would be really good if you could just brush your teeth like every day like if you could buy a toothbrush and then he so he goes to me he started laughing and he goes, as if people brush their teeth every day. And I'm like, most people do it twice. (laughs) (laughs) And and then he was like a belly laughing, like like in my face and he goes, you're hilarious. And I'm like, it's a thing. (laughs) Like brushing your teeth is a thing. But what made me really think about was is, well, no one's ever taught him that. So like these children that don't get taught grow on to be adults that aren't taught. And then if he has kids, he'll go on to be a dad that passes this on because nobody told him and it's you don't know what you don't know so like I felt a lot of compassion for him because you know I was lucky that someone wanted me to brush my teeth as a kid so but he didn't have that and it's very hard to start forming new habits like I've been trying to go to the gym it's not that easy (laughs) not eat sugar like it's not that easy (laughs) but like as an adult it's much harder than if you if you form that habit as a small child that's going to last you for life but Absolutely, But like, Especially
2: right. if you've had a parent that said, you know, well, well, I only brush my teeth, you know, once every, every second day or, or I never flossed and, yeah. and my teeth are fine or, you know, I had baby right. teeth taken out and that's, that's our first place of learning is, yes. is home and our parents are our first teachers. So it can be really kind of confronting to go through so long in life and then be told something different at times by a total stranger. It's like, well, this, this is what I know. This is, yeah. this is my base. And it can be really confronting for people to be told something
1: is different and, and wrong. So what's one of your tips, like if, if, so we're, say we're in the practice and one of the kids has come in to see us and they haven't unfortunately maybe had someone like you getting them excited about oral health. We've got someone that's just being forced for their first checkup before school Um, and like I had a child in the practice the other day just with mum he wasn't coming but I was like show me your teeth and I'll count them and he was like no not having a bar of it (laughs) so what is like some of your tips to get those kids like feeling more comfortable and wanting to like partake in that checkup
2: Yeah, well, I'm really fortunate. The majority of the checkups that I do at the moment are at the preschools and I'm really fortunate that they get to see their friends participating and the majority of the time seeing someone else participating is like gold. They see someone having a turn, they see that it's really easy and they don't want to miss out and they get a sticker and, oh, my gosh, kids absolutely love stickers. They (laughs) are like the best motivator in the world um, but that first visit, it can be really challenging, especially if they're older and especially if they're coming with a problem. Yeah. Because if you've got an eight or nine-year-old that's come to the dentist for the first time and they're coming to the dentist because they're in pain, they know that it's not, that something's wrong. Yeah. You know, they're they're able to make that deduction at that age. So having that conversation with children can be, can be really challenging. Sometimes it is just spending time chatting with them and just trying to warm to them and and making the time to make them feel heard and to understand where their concern comes from and sometimes it can be something as simple as they have a wobbly tooth and they're really worried that you're going to to touch their wobbly tooth and hurt their wobbly tooth and having that conversation with them and and breaking the ice so that they can go oh, I'm, I just, I'm, you know, it hurts when I brush and I'm, I'm really worried that, you know, you're going to touch it or, you know, someone at home and I've said, oh, the dentist is going to pull your that that. <laughs> so yeah. they're really worried about that. So if you can, <laughs> can take the time and try and get them to open up with you and, and tell them what you're worried about, sometimes you can, can build the bridge with them that way. Um, I find the other thing that can be really helpful is just giving them the mirror and just giving them a a chance to, to play with it and and to open. And, and sometimes it might be that you're not even in the mouth at all. You're not holding the mirror. Um, You're just in front of them. You're just having a look as as best you can and, and just slowly taking those baby steps towards getting them to look in the mouth. Um, And if the parent, when they book the appointment says, they're really not keen for this appointment. See if the parent can come in and pick up a plastic mirror ahead of time and let them role play, Dentist at home, have them check mum's teeth, let mum check their teeth, get mum to take some photos while she's checking their teeth if they can. And just spend, I think the key is spending the time with yeah. kids. I think sometimes we can be so quick to go, they're not going to cooperate, you know, there's there's nothing I can do to help. And and sometimes the, the kids just want to be heard. They just want to feel like they're a person um, and that they have, You know the ability to make the decision themselves and sometimes it's just giving them time to come with the term come to terms with the fact and go no i am ready to make the decision
1: to open my mouth that can be what what makes the difference i i know something you said then is like i just hate it when i hear parents saying if you don't do this you'll get a feeling and then they'll do you and it will hurt and like sometimes the they'll give you a needle yeah they're creating (sighs) this negative experience and you're like giving them the death eyes like mm-hmm. stop that. <laughs> <laughs> like, because you're just like yeah why are you doing this because if they do need a filling now when we do this checkup, up you've already created this really negative um space so yeah. yet, like you're like oh I wish parents would talk more positively about it
0: that's right oh my gosh I've had that happen so many different occasions. And I've actually asked the parent to leave the room with me and take them out in the hallway and explain to them why, like, we can't speak to this. Like They bring their negative experiences, I feel, into that operatory or put their ne- onto our children. And um it's it's not okay for them to do that, you know, and then, then they're just propagating this exact negative experience that they've had. And then sometimes I've seen too, and I'm sure you both can attest to this, where that parent has their own mm. trauma associated with dentistry. And they're even like, you can palpate their nerves, yeah. just bringing their <laughs> child into the office. So it's like, whew, like, like Tabitha said before, Sometimes it's just so mentally exhausting being in that space. It's not the physical work is difficult, but like all the behavior management that you have to do for sometimes the child and the parent is is a lot.
1: Yeah. Do you have some tips and tricks for what you think for when you've got children who maybe are a little bit more sound sensitive, or you know, are maybe on the spectrum in some sort, or you know, it can be very overwhelming visiting a dental surgery if you're. Um, sensitive to lights or sounds or tastes so I think sometimes we forget how much of a hurdle it is for some children to do that what are some tips of children in that situation that we can help them
2: Again, I think it comes down to communication, you know, reaching out to the parent ahead of time. You know, a lot of us have televisions in our um, surgeries these days, you know, should we turn the television off? Um, Is there a certain channel, you know, we can put on? Um, Do they have headphones? Do they, you know, want to bring headphones and listen to a podcast or music or, or something like that? What can we do to... To support the child and I think the more work that you can do ahead of time one it comes back to to what you said well it helps to calm the parent and sometimes you know the parent is coming in with so much stress um worried that that things aren't going to go well and and the child can can feel that and um they might then come in with anxiety that they they didn't have before mm. time so I think reaching out to that parent communicating with them making sure that they know that We're there to support them, I think, can be a real big help. Does the child have a a toy that they want to bring with them? Are there certain topics that we can bring up to chat with them? I still remember um, one of the final activities we did at uni um, was they got us to sit up the front of the room in pairs um, in front of the class and one of us would be the dentist and the other one would be the patient and we had to pretend it was the start of the visit and we had to talk for three minutes about non-dental stuff. And it's actually really, really hard to have you met me. <laughs> when, well, when you're in that dental environment, you know we're on, we're on the clock, and, yeah. and we are sort of conscious of, of wanting to jump in and, and make you know the parent, the parent and the patient feel like they're getting the most out of their appointment, but. Sometimes having them come in, um, when I do work in the surgery, we have, you know, chairs, just normal chairs, um, you know, entry to the surgery so the child can sit there first. They don't have to jump into the dental chair. They can sit through the yeah. door, door. We can have a little bit of a chat. We can warm up to each other, you know, how school. school school's always not a great topic to chat yeah. about with kids though because that's when they hate it. Um, but just really trying to build that relationship with the child beforehand so that they know that you can be the friend. Um, and not someone that they have to be
1: frightened of. So for our, our listeners at home that maybe want to brush up their skills on knowing some stuff about kids' dentistry, um, there's definitely some fads happening in dentistry now and the U-shaped brush is one of them. And I, know yeah. I saw you did a little like assignment on Instagram about it. So can you share your <laughs> what you did with that and, and how you talk to parents about it?
2: I did. So I had had a lot of questions about the U-shaped toothbrush um, and had seen a lot of ads coming up on mm. my social media and they're very cleverly marketed. And, you know, a lot of comments from parents, my child is so excited to, you know, finally brush their teeth. I'm so excited that I don't have to push them. But I'd seen in, in clinic these these kids coming in with a lot of plaque on their teeth um, and their parents go, no, 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 they 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 brush twice a day. And it's like, oh, you know, you know, what toothbrush do they use? Oh, you know, that that you that U-shaped toothbrush. So um I did two experiments. The first one I did was I brushed with a U-shaped toothbrush, and then I disclosed my teeth, and there was a lot of plaque along my gums. So I went in with my electric toothbrush for my normal two-minute brush and brushed away pretty much all of the plaque that was on the teeth that the U-shaped brush had left. Um, and then I did a four-day long weekend brush with the E-brush and brushed just one side of my mouth with my electric toothbrush. And I was actually really shocked after four days how much plaque there was on my teeth and that I had gingivitis. I was so grossed out. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but when I then went in after and brushed with my electric toothbrush, there was bleeding. I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, so I just really wanted that visual for parents because you see the ads and you read the comments mm. and like, my child's excited to brush their teeth and we want children to be excited to brush their teeth. And if your child loves the you brush, then, then let them use it, but let them use it as a reward after they've let you brush their teeth. Like yeah. if that's what gets their, your child motivated, great, but just, find how to motivate your child while still getting the good brush that you need so maybe that's that's the the role that they play that they're that like you know like you, you did your chores now you can play video games it's like yeah. you let me brush your teeth now you can use the you brush um so I'm not really going to do anything from my experience um but if it motivates them and and
1: lets you brush their teeth first then sure I read a study on it I love Oh, is there a study? There is a study and I can get it out of one of my presentations because I do a a fads in dentistry presentation, but I'll get it for you. Um, The comparison of the U brush is there is no difference from not brushing. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And um, yes, because I had a patient ask me about it in practice who had been using it for eight years and changed his life, but he'd also had perio for eight years. And so (laughs) I was like, I'll do a bit of research. And yeah, they, the the studies that they do have are limited, but they just show that there's no efficacy in it at all. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, like the they come up on my Instagram, and my Facebook yeah. constantly. So I just think that like parents, as a parent, if I had no dental background, I would think this looks really good, easy, simple, does everything at once. You know, yeah. this is gonna be quicker with my kids. Yeah, this is really good, and it also like you know if the kid likes it, then you're like, yeah, it's a no brainer. Yeah, it's a no brainer. So I can see why parents Absolutely. make the decision. It's just unfortunate that the product is crap.
2: It ties back into the education, <laughs> yeah. you know, knowing and. And it, it is really challenging for parents. And, you know, the question, you know, is, well, you know, isn't using the U-brush better than, than nothing? Well, no. Well, the, the study says no. And and I guess the flip side is, well, 10 seconds of brushing with a manual toothbrush at least gets your child a little bit used to brushing with a manual toothbrush and or an electric toothbrush. Yeah. And if you take them away from that and give them an alternative, you're actually kind of taking steps backwards from, from any progress you might have made before you gave it to them in the first place. But I, I, I see it. I see it pop up, and and I see you know comments of of parents that it, the comment always is though. My child's excited to brush their teeth, but it's never you know actually how well they're brushing. And the thing that I actually found the hardest is just dispensing toothpaste. It's like, you know, kids, you know, under three is supposed to use a grain of rice size. Well, how do you put a grain of rice size on a double-sided U-shaped toothbrush? (laughs) So I just smeared it on my teeth. But even with a a shape, you know, are you supposed to like squirt like they do in the commercials? Like a huge U of toothpaste (laughs) on it. Like it's just a little bit impractical. And two minutes with that brush in your mouth, which is what they recommend on the box, is actually a huge mouthful. I reckon i recommend yeah. it about 30 seconds. And I was like, I still have to do another 90 seconds of this. They're, they're actually not very comfortable.
1: It's like that oil pulling where people like say they want an oil pull. And you're like, you have to do it for 25 minutes to have any result For it to be effective. And imagine having yeah. coconut oil in your mouth <laughs> for 25 minutes. I'm like, I would vomit. You know I've done oh, it. Oh, gross. <laughs> was it horrible? It is gross
0: after a while. Your mouth gets so tired. Yeah. Like, like. I would do it first thing in the morning. I've gotten off habit of doing it because it is a little bit disgusting, but I would do it first thing in the morning while like making coffee and things. And I can't like, I can't get past 10 minutes. So is it really being effective? Nope, not not really. (laughs) So it's just, you know, I'm all for the alternative, more healthy, natural approach. That's like ingrained in my DNA, but it also has to be realistic and it has to be able to fit into someone's lifestyle. So that oil pulling, I, I want to love it, but I can't because of that. Yeah. And then I just wanted to comment too, on what you were saying earlier with this whole U brush thing, this is where we kind of perpetuate negativity around oral home care, like in self-care, because like somebody finds something and like now they've created a habit that maybe they didn't have before and they're excited that they're doing it. Right. And then they come in, they sit in our chair, we disclose them and we're like, you're a hot, stinking mess. What are you doing? Right. It all depends on our approach. God, I would never say that to a patient, but you know, you you,
2: you awful human. How dare you sit in my chair like
0: this? Um, but you know, so they're they're all excited, and they're they're they come to you, and they're like, oh, this is going to be great. I've been using a new product, and da, da da da. And then we totally deflate their happiness and energy when we realize that you know what, this isn't really working. So we have to be mindful of that approach too, because somebody's super excited about they thought, thought they found that new thing that's going to help them and make them healthier. So we have to watch how we kind of lead them down that road because they're already doing it. Like I'm always like, "You know what? It's awesome that you're putting in the effort. I'm really sorry that this particular product or approach isn't working, but let's fine tune and find a way that when you are doing this, you could be the most effective so that we can achieve these goals together." So, it's it's just being aware too of that with products and there's so much out there hurting us as the dental professional because there's so much misinformation yeah. out there and now with like t- Top videos and people like doing DIY dentistry and all the fun things. And, and like Tab- Tabitha said, you open up your social media account and there's just advertisement after advertisement with these dental products that are not really a effective or safe for a lot of people to use. So it's just being really aware of like what our patients are consuming as well for their information and kind of being able to approach it in a manner that we can help them.
2: And it, it does, it all ties back to that education side of things and it's going, okay, great. You know, you've built this habit of brushing twice a day. Can we brush a minute with, you know, the electric toothbrush or the manual toothbrush and and then then switch? Like if that's what's working for you, you know, can we can we combine them um, sort of celebrating the successes that they're having? And that's what I chat a lot about with parents when they're like, you know, my child won't, won't let me. And it's like, well, don't stress on the days when you can't celebrate the days when you can, and, and really focus on the good things and try not to worry as much about the bad things.
1: So yeah. talking about uh, fads a little bit more, do you have a lot of parents asking you about amber bead necklaces? Is this a big thing in America as well, oh. Melissa? I was just hippies in Australia. <laughs> yeah. Oh Gosh, they're so
2: dangerous. Yeah.
1: And do you st- see a What's lot of that? On? So they're like, they're little amber beads on like a necklace, but like kids have choked themselves on them, um, but they they promote or, them for like teething. Yeah, they wear so them. Like, uh, oh yeah, okay, yeah. Do you see a lot of that still? Like, because it was a very big fad for a little while. But like, honestly, I don't hang out with kids that age, so I don't know what they're doing.
2: I don't think of recent. I've had any questions in the clinic, but I have had messages about them on on social media. Yeah, um, and. Again, it's it's one of those ones that it's it's just it's hard because it's just dangerous. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it's it's tough.
1: I'm surprised that I th- like. I'm actually surprised you can see them being purchased because they have had so many problems. And then I think they now have to advertise when they sell them in Australia that it's a choking hazard. <laughs> and then I'm like, why? Well, does, a tiny, why do you a tiny little bead is going to wedge really nicely into yeah. a baby's airway. A tiny little airway. Yeah. yeah.
0: And do you have
1: any tips and tricks for clinicians that are dealing with parents that want help for their child to give up their dummy slash pacifier?
2: Oh, this is this is a really, really good one. Yeah. Um,
1: and again, it's
2: a really big problem for parents to deal with. Um The one that I find works really well is when the child is of age enough to understand, and, and usually when you're dealing with a parent that, that really wants to get rid of the dummy, it's because the child is old enough to understand. It's getting them to buy something with it. To a lot of toy stores will accept a dummy as payment for a toy. So you know, work and make it a big project yeah. that it's not just oh we're going to the shop today we're buying a toy it's done you know make up a, a dream board, you know, kids are super visual. So, you know, a dream board, you know, what is, what is our aim? You know, what, what's the, the really special, you know, toy that we want one in replacement and, you know, prepare for the day, have a countdown on the calendar, um, you know, we're going, today's the day we get all, you know, dressed up and we can document it with photos and, and go to the toy store or the the sports store or whatever it might be and, and make a really big deal out of, you know, you know, you're ready and, and you're making a decision, you know, for an exchange of, you know, this for, for something that, that we've wanted and, and we've waited for and, and we've count, counted down for. Um, but it, it can be really, really hard for for parents. I know that some do go with the the cold turkey approach. It takes a really strong parent to do that. Some parents come back and they're like, "Look, it was really tough for 4 days, but we never spoke about it again."
0: Um yeah, they're like, really. "Those 4
2: days were really tough." So I think if you can, I actually saw the cutest thing on TikTok. Um, of course, because that's that's what we see everything these days. Of um, this little girl, and they went out into the garden and they dug a hole and they buried them and she watered them, and then it grew little cake pops. Oh, I saw that and, and they so came out. So they like dug out, dug out the dummies and and planted some some cake pops, and then they got to eat them. Um, so again, it's just kind of making it a little bit more of a, a celebration. Um, the other one I hear is just snipping the ends of the dummies because yeah. then they just don't want them anymore because or the pacifiers, um, in America. Yeah. just snip the end and they don't want them because they're not as effective. It does.
0: Yeah. There's no section. Yeah. That's what I did with my daughter. She was addicted. We called it her binky and she was addicted to the binky and I had to put holes in it yeah. and she finally let it go. Um, I took- but yeah, again, if I wasn't a dental professional, what I have known to do yeah. that, those are the things that we don't, you know, we don't understand and we, we take for granted. And I try to share that with the students too, as they come into their second year of, of dental hygiene education, that like, what did you know before you got here? Did you know how to brush your teeth? Did you know how to flush your teeth? Did you know how to do these things? No. So you need to meet your patients with that same level of education and teach them. That's the biggest part of your job is your education and your advocacy for your patients. So that has to go a long way within our profession. And we, like in the U.S., I don't know if you guys do this as well. We have Children's Dental Health Month every February. So one month out of the year, we actually pay attention to kids <laughs> instead of, instead of doing it every month out of the year. Uh, but you know, we just if we kept our our level, if we kept functioning that high every month for children. I think we could see a big impact on the amount of caries, tooth loss and
1: gingivitis and so on and so forth. When do you think children, I haven't worked with kids with ages, so you can help some people that are probably feeling a bit out of touch like me, should start getting bite wings. great question yeah Mm -hmm. um
2: in in the private practice that i in the specialist practice that i work in we will generally start recommending them from age four as a routine um the two-year-old molars have have been in the mouth for at least a year um at that stage and in australia the stats are one in three before they start school which which is about age four so age four is when we'll start suggesting them as a routine for pretty much every four year old child that comes in the door if they're if they're cooperative. Um and and earlier if there are any indications or, or concerns. Although earlier than that, it's it's not usually bite wings that you're dealing with because yeah. the the twos aren't uh, the E's aren't usually all the way through. Um but but four. Um and I will usually use a snap array on a size zero film and turn it long ways um so that it's not going so far back. So, yeah. and I get it and I get the kid to hold up their hand and we rub it back and forth and, oh, it's so tickly on your fingers. Are your fingers tickly? Is your nose tickly? And just, again, get them to play with it um, so that when you, you put this thing in your mouth, I had bite wings the other day and it's awful. Yeah. I hate having this. It's not fun. <laughs> and we're trying to get a four-year-old yeah. to to sit in the chair and have bite wings taken. So, again, it's just about taking the time. And sometimes it might take 10 minutes to to get bite wings. But, having that peace of mind that everything's fine or picking up those early problems and, and being like to mum or dad, you know, this this is why we take x-rays and this is why we talk about flossing or or interproximal cleaning and, and, and brushing and, and diet. And, and this is why it's important. So yeah, around four is, is when
1: we would like to start if, if the child will let us. And do you find um, working, obviously you work with a lot more kids in the clinic, do you find that they're staying on kids' toothpaste too long because of the flavours and not wanting to move over to a higher fluoride?
2: Yeah, and this is where Australia is different to America because we have kids' fluoride toothpaste, which is half the fluoride concentration, so 500 parts per million, which we, we recommend children use until, well, the guidelines say until six if they're low risk. But when you really look at kids how many of them really are low risk anyway (laughs) they're they're not cleaning well um so the guidelines say children's fluoride toothpaste um and they taste really yum yeah and that's what i say i've heard go. they like to eat the toothpaste i'm like pick a different toothpaste I'm like, yes, we want children to yeah. enjoy brushing, but we also want them to spit it out. And if they're sticking the toothbrush in their mouth and they're sucking all the toothpaste off, it probably tastes too nice. And we don't want them to hate it, but we also don't want them to eat it. So again, it's it's that education side of thing, And it's hard because there's so many pretty, well-packaged children's toothpastes in the supermarket yeah. because we know that the spiciness can be a barrier to, to brushing for kids. But then the flip side is, is that they just want to eat it. And then that makes parents really nervous about upping the fluoride concentration because they're worried right. that they eat it. So they want to stay on the kid's fluoride toothpaste longer. But it is really challenging. And often I will say to parents, I'm like, you know, they don't they don't have kids' fluoride toothpaste in America. Um, and it is kind of understanding that we are trying to be extra cautious, but we're also trying to be extra cautious for the low risk patients. And as soon as we start moving up that risk category, then we need to be stepping up what we're doing as well to minimize the, the risk of problems developing. So again, it's, it's tricky. Oh, yeah.
1: I think the other do, half thing, do you sorry have, going, Melissa.
2: do you have fluoridated water
0: programs yeah. in Australia? Yeah. Okay. And then also, do you give um, vitamins to children? Like we have prescription vitamins from the pediatrician and then the dentist takes it no. over with fluoride added to their multivitamins. Oh no. Okay. So I feel like our kids get it
1: hammered no. with fluoride. We we advise against fluoride tablets because uh, of the high risk of fluorosis. But um, right, we right. I think one of the other hard things at the supermarket too is, is like being a mom with children is th- the kids don't even sometimes care about the flavor. They just care that that character that they like is on the, on the app. Box, they want that minion or they want that bluey or they want that pepper pig. And so when the parents are at the shops and they're being pestered, like that makes them buy that but or yeah. they don't like mint. Like my son hates mint toothpaste. Yeah. But we use the um we used the BU range for him. We swapped him over to that with from CureProx because he loves the Apple toothpaste. And so he could go up Great. to the 900 I think it's 950 parts per million. But um, Just to get him, just because he hates the mint uh, flavor. That's
0: so funny. My son hates mint toothpaste too. And he's now
1: on a higher (laughs) toothpaste again. I loved his fluoride again because he um, has embarrassingly had a filling. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I can't believe I just told the world. <laughs> well, don't feel bad.
0: Mine just had three uh, this year.
1: Sorry. It was like, do you know what I do for a living? Yeah, I actually yelled that. Do you know how <laughs> embarrassing this is for me? I want to go to a practice where no one knows me and we can sneak in. <laughs> and, uh, and we're going to go incognito and no one's going to find out about this. And now I've just told the whole podcast world. But I was... um. I know. <laughs> well, I did it with you. Babe. So um, I upped his fluoride because I was like, okay, then I don't think the 950 parts per million is enough for him. Uh, I think that, like, I've never had a filling and I, I'm really lucky, but I don't think he's going to be that <laughs> Um I think he's going to have a higher risk, care, like, risk, care than me. But yeah, it's it is hard when they don't want that mint. They don't want to have that, and trying to and so I, like I say to parents, you just got to like look at different flavors. And there's so many different toothpaste coming out now. That's but you right. There's... Like, there's such a good range. I think we're so lucky. Like ten years ago, you don't like mint. Well, you're not oh, using toothpaste. You right. Yeah,
2: yeah. And the boxes can be really confusing. Yeah. Some will say you know four to six, and some will say two plus, and and it's actually looking at. Well, in Australia, for us looking at the actual fluoride concentration, that's more important than the actual age that's on the yeah. box. It would be easier if we just all used the the one fluoride concentration and it was just the, the varying amounts. But in Australia, it can make it really difficult, especially if you've got multiple kids. Like I have to buy three different toothpastes for yeah. you know, all these different ages and sometimes you actually don't. It's just the way that they've labelled the boxes. So, again, it comes back to that education. What are parents actually supposed to be looking for when they buy toothpaste. It should be something that's so simple. Can't we just look at the age that's written on the box? But sometimes that age doesn't actually align with
1: what the guidelines in Australia recommend. I think advertising has a lot to answer for because I think any parent going to the supermarket, it's a minefield. Like it's really difficult. You know, um, so uh, there was an argument in our house the other day because I came home and there was Nutrigrain on the bench. And I was like, what's this box of sugar doing here? He just got a filling. Like, I've already been shamed. Like, why is there a box of sugar here? And I was kind of like really angry about it. And the response was, but Iron Man eat it and it's got a four-star health rating. And I was like, and you're an idiot. Like, <laughs> I was like, ah But it does, it does have a four-star, four-star health, health rating. rating. And Iron Men do eat it. Yeah. It's and so advertising. It, that's really hard. Like obviously I know how to read a label. So I know to flip the box over, look at the hundred grams or the hundred mils, look at the percentage of sugar per there and aim for it to be under 10%. But I know that because I went to university and someone taught me. Right. Right. I don't think any, I don't think the average person knows how to read an a label. And then the advertising company advertises these foods as healthy. Like so many yogurts are a dessert. They're not yogurt. Oh, yeah. And yeah. yogurt actually has less sugar than most yogurts. But parents are like, oh, I wouldn't give my kid a yogurt every day. Yeah. But I'll give them this yogurt every day instead, not realizing that they're actually giving their child a coke in a satchel. Yeah. And right. I think that's right. a lot right. of these
2: these pouch foods. I even looked at the sugar content of sultanas. Sultanas are 75% yeah. sugar. And I think it's not saying to parents, don't eat sultanas. It's saying just so you know, the sugar content of sultanas and chocolate isn't really all that different. So it's not saying don't eat sultanas. Take chocolate. It's saying just. <laughs> <laughs> If I had to pick, <laughs> <laughs> if I had to pick, but it's just saying, you know, if you have sultanas and then you have chocolate, you know, that's two sugar hits. Yeah. So it's just about again that that education and that understanding of 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 what is actually happening behind the the clever pictures on on the front of of the whatever the food is. Do you think
1: parents um, think that? Like with healthy foods, so say like fruit, or you know some of the fake healthy foods like a smoothie. They think oh it's healthy, they can have unlimited, and don't even realize that we should limit fruit sometimes. Yeah,
2: Yeah. like they'll. So I actually think parents understand the fruit one because in Australia we're very big on two fruit, five veg a day. Yeah. I think parents often come in, they go, they they just eat so much fruit, and I'm never going to say to a parent stop feeding your child fruit. Like there's so much good stuff that's in in fruit. And we'd much rather a child eat, eat an apple to, you know, a chocolate bar or, or something like that, or even some dried fruit. Um, but again, it, it does just come back to to that awareness. And I think because we do have that two fruit five veg, people do understand that we do want to be limiting the fruit compared to the amount of veg that we're eating in the day. Um, and that's, that obviously works because I find that parents go, oh, you know, they, they just want to eat fruit and I don't, I don't want to stop them. And, and I agree there, there's worse options, but that education seems to be working. And, and parents do understand that they go, you know, we try enough offer for other things as well. And I'm like, that's great.
1: Yeah. Have you seen, um, yeah. someone sent me this week a bottle and they said, have you seen this before? And I hadn't, it's called. It's at the supermarket in the health food section called tooth sparkles no they're called tooth cleaning calcium chews and they um, are advertising that they chew them after each meal and it will help clean their teeth so is it like chewing gum no it's like a tablet i'll I'll send you the picture later and i was just like oh this is going to be a pain in our butts. (laughs) I don't understand. I don't understand either. But, yeah, they said children two to three should chew slowly and swallow one tablet daily after meals, and children four to eight should chew slowly and swallow two tablets after meals, and nine to 13, they should chew three tablets after meals. And it's got calcium carbonate, vitamin D3, and then like xylitol flavors, maize, and a heap they of... They could just eat a carrot stick or something. Yeah, share. that's what I think. Like, But I think this is what's really hard is if you're a parent and you're just thinking of all the things to do better, like I'd much prefer to have my kid eat a carrot stick or cheese, but now you've got someone saying if they just chew this tablet, it's like brushing their teeth, so they think, yes I'll do this but then I think they also think well we won't have to brush or you won't have to do this yeah
2: oh this is so much easier I can just chuck three tablets next to their plate they can eat them after dinner and now I don't have to fight them before they go to bed
1: yeah isn't it I I, and this is why I just think it's such a minefield for all the parents out here and where we need to have compassion is that sometimes mums or dads are like at the supermarket at 6pm at night they're being screamed at they've worked all day and they're just like how do I make my life easier yeah (laughs) and And we all know
2: that brushing teeth is a universal problem for parents yeah and people know that and that's why all of these different products pop up because they know that it's a huge pain point for parents and parents are often really desperate and they come in and they go we know he doesn't brush his teeth you know we try so hard and that's why all of these it's it's so hard for parents when as you said before when they come in and And they think you know they've they've built this habit and they found something and it's so wonderful and and you have to be the the person that that tells them that it's actually not it's it's heartbreaking because they're they're trying and their only aim is
1: to help their children. Yeah, it is. And I,
0: yeah, it's definitely.
1: It would be so good, like you said, though, if like we, if you, if we could clone you, the tooth wiggle and have you in all free <laughs> <preschool. laughs> I really feel like it would make such a big difference. So um, what kind of songs are you singing with the kids? Have you made them up? Have you copied ones? Like what are you doing? I wrote five
2: songs. The first, the first two, I actually wrote before Dr. Bethany's Tooth Tales even existed. I was in the shower, it, and I'm sure all successful artists will tell you that their number one hit came from the shower. So I wrote the two minute tooth brushing song, and it's available on Spotify and Apple Music, and it goes for exactly two minutes. And you can brush along um, to awesome. the two minute tooth brushing song um so that was the first song that I wrote and then I wrote you gotta floss which is my rap about flossing um I I, I know I it. need to change it to you gotta but <laughs> it just it just doesn't have the same it does not I floss. agree with you so I'm going to push floss in the song, but just say any interproximal cleaning. It doesn't
1: um. flow well, does it? Like interdental brush is not a um, yeah. a good rhyming word. It doesn't flow nicely.
2: No. No. Um, and then I have, um, I'm also at the moment, um, tomorrow I'm going to film the video clips for my journey into toothbrushing nursery rhymes. So, they will soon be available on YouTube for children to watch and brush their teeth along to some of their favorite nursery rhymes
1: tooth brushing editions.
2: Awesome. Oh my gosh, I love this.
1: And because of me, toot her own horn. She actually has a master's in education as well. <laughs> in (laughs) primary education so obviously that's really helped you with your program are you thinking of doing something else with that or was it just to enhance what you're already doing
2: I think when when I went through dentistry I always said I'm going to be a teacher one day um, because I always love to learn and I love to teach and I think that really came through when I was in the clinic is that I just genuinely loved teaching patients about looking after their teeth Um, And that passion has always been there. So now to be in an industry where I've combined both of my degrees and then also my passion for performing for kids, it really feels like the perfect job and I love it. And I love that the kids get excited and I love, you know, getting emails from parents like my child's excited to brush their teeth. I'm like, I'm so glad. And that's all I aim for is that 1% and if we can make that 1% change today, who knows what we can hope to achieve in the future. Well, I have a awesome. favourite
1: song and it's um, it's actually about some Indigenous land rights but the, the chorus is From Little Things, Big Things Grow. And so I think that applies to you majorly. You know, from something little that you've started, I think big things grow and it makes such... A big difference to not just the kids that you're dealing with, but how they grow up and how their kids receive information that you could be influencing their parents or their grandparents. So, this has a multi generational effect and you're preventing caries in multiple generations. So, I think from little things, big things really grow. And it's such an awesome idea where you get to go have fun. You can see how passionate you are. Well, you guys can hear it at home. We can see it and hear it. (laughs) And um, you know, I just think that also a great idea for other people out there, maybe your passion isn't being in the clinic doing things, it's out there educating. And I think this is how we're gonna change the world is preventative dentistry, not through being treatment focused, but by being prevention focused. And that's the key to all of health problems is to work on prevention and education. Unfortunately, yeah. That's right. Unfortunately, yeah. we haven't had the government funding for it, but people like you have made a great business, uh, you know, are out there pushing the boundaries of different things that we can do and showing that we'll, we'll take this into our own hands then.
2: <laughs> that's right. And one of the centres that I went to, um, one of the educators put up their hands um, at the end of my presentation. They were like, Dr. Bethany, you came here last year and and you told us that we needed to floss. And she's like, and I flossed every day since you've been here last year. And I'm like, yes, I'm having impacts on kids and parents and educators. Yeah. It's it's everyone yeah. benefits from the program. Yes, I'm there for the kids, but the messages speak to everyone. Yeah, 100%.
0: Absolutely. Well, I was... Love to just thank you for what you're doing because it's people like you that do, as Tapitha said, make such a huge impact. And I already started following you on Instagram <laughs> at Dr. Bethany's Tooth Tales. So I would encourage all of our listeners to do the same. Where else can they find you? And is your YouTube channel named the same thing? It is. Just share so our
2: listeners can, can do some research and, and spread your message. Yes. So YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. I am Dr. Bethany's Toothtails. Um, and my website is drbethaniestoothtales.com as well. Um, I'm mostly on Instagram. Um, I like making lots of reels. Oh, and I'm on TikTok too. I'm not on there very often, but you can find me on TikTok too, Toothtails. I'm nice and consistent. Just well, <laughs> I would
1: much prefer anyone that's not a dental professional that's listening to follow Bethany than some of the other dental accounts. So please, yes. <laughs> I beg yes. you, if you like yes. fun reels
2: and disclosure. disclosing yeah. <laughs> you can follow me yeah
1: and it's yeah definitely Absolutely. over the ones where i watched one last week i, I people are at home going tabitha has time to watch tiktoks but i do <laughs> 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 uh, where they like were putting like fake acrylic nails onto the teeth and doing veneers I you saw that. the veneers oh i saw that oh melissa the next oh time i see it gosh. i'll send it to you and listeners if you haven't seen it google it it's one of the most horrific things i've seen because all i could think about is those margins are filled with acrylic and soon to be infectional. <laughs> but yeah they oh, they got acrylic nails and they like filed them down once they put them on and then like you know like painted them essentially didn't they like and made them just look like white veneer
0: oh yeah my gosh where
1: what what's
0: happening <laughs> oh, yeah wow. okay there's so much work for us
1: to yeah do. Oh. Is. Oh. all right
0: well on that note uh if please use your own Instagram or social media to help sp- share good dental professional <laughs> messages as to why that's not a great idea. So Bethany, thank you so much. Your work is so needed. Thank you. And we appreciate everything you're doing.
2: Um, so
0: can, if our listeners want to reach out to you, your website is probably the best place to send an email to you and get in contact with yeah, you. Website or
2: Instagram. But wherever okay, you message perfect. me, I shall find you eventually.
0: <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, this was amazing. Thank you for taking some time to share your passion Pleasure. with us and our listeners. And um, I just have m- the most respect for you and what you're doing. So thank, thank you. you very much. All right. So until next time, Bye. keep on disrupting. Hey, thank you again so much for tuning into the disrupting dentistry podcast we love to hear from you viewers and we love that you join us for our episodes please make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts
1: And leave us a review. We love reading reviews from all over the world. It's one of the things that actually makes all the hard work feel really worth it when we get to see which episodes you're enjoying or some feedback that you give. So leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or write something on our Facebook or our Instagram page. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks so much for listening.
0: Keep on disrupting.